When people have asked me questions in the interview processes, like, so why University X and why now? <laughs> I said, no disrespect. But back in 95, I was telling you that we needed this kind of commitment around students. So now that somebody got a knee on their neck and died on TV, you gonna put the human resources and financial resources to have someone provide leadership for the master narrative for DE&I? I should be asking you. I'm Dan Kimbrough, and this is Systemic, a podcast about race. I'm a diversity and inclusion advocate and trainer, educator, trained conflict mediator, and media producer with over 20 years of community building and diversity experience. From local communities to university campuses to corporate trainings, I've used my voice to bring people together and better understand each other. I'm also a black man and father. Each episode of Systemic will explore new aspects of race and racism in America. We will look at where we've been, how we got here, how it affects us today, and how we can move forward. The aim is to educate and explain the intertwining of race as a systemic part of American history and culture. We hope that each episode enlightens and drives you to help work towards an anti-racist future. You're tuned into Systemic. I'm Dan Kimber, your host, and today I'm talking with Scott Richardson. I know Scott from his recording university here in Pennsylvania. Uh, we met in 2008. Since then, Scott has gone on to work at uh, Bloomsburg University and is currently at University Houston Clear Lake, where he's the chief diversity and inclusion officer. Uh, and while there as well, he's also worked with um, what is the Houston GPS program, helping students who are underrepresented and underprepared make that transition from two to four year universities. Um, and so he's one of the administrators for that program. So, Scott, thank you very much for being with me. Oh, no problem at all. Thank you for having me, good brother. All right. So um, let's dig in. I want to talk about implicit bias in education, um, both from the faculty standpoint, well, faculty and staff, uh, and from the student standpoint. But before we get there, what is implicit bias? Where, what do you define that as? And what are some of the pitfalls of it? Yeah, so um, implicit bias is, you know, it, it goes along the lines um, of the, some research by Daryl Wang Su around microaggressions. And, um, where, where, where I struggle, it's people that unintentionally or things that happen unintentionally where you can be um, recognized for creating a fracture or a slight and then say, oh, I didn't know. I want to learn for the next time so that I don't do it again. Um, but I don't actually um, condone the application of implicit bias because you know, we want to be in 2021, we want to be the imminent country. We want to be the preeminent scholars mm -hmm. and intellects, but we don't know how to engage with each other. <laughs> You're right. right? And You're so right. and so I struggle with how we can um do space travel but we can't do conversation. Right. 
And so I don't believe in that. I believe that there's not enough social consequence around the impact. Okay. Now, by social consequence, you're talking about cancel culture or something else? No. When when I talk about social consequence, I'm talking about um, there's not enough, and this is going to go zero to 60. In my mind, there's not enough of, well, you can't be in my group if that's what you believe, because that is counter to the human condition. Yes. Counter to inclusion. Right. And so what we end up doing um, is we end up saying, oh, well, that's just the way Pop Pop grew up. No. Uh -uh. Okay. Right. So and when we can explain it away, then we might as well explain. Well, for pedophilia, that's because Bob um, was molested as a child as well. Right. So the reason for the behavior doesn't excuse the behavior. Yes. You're spot on. And I think that that gets missed often. I know when you talk about domestic violence, that's a big part of it, right? The idea that you may have had a broken whatever, but that doesn't allow you to hurt people going forward. Well, why don't we apply that to every scenario? And so I think you're spot on that just because Pop Pop grew up in Alabama in the 50s using the N-word and treating people a certain way. Well, it's 2020, it's 2021, right? Pop Pop has to evolve just like the rest of us have and the rest of culture does. Right. And it's funny that you say that, Dan, um, because if in 2021, Pop Pop wants to benefit from the intellect that keeps his COPD from flaring up. <laughs> right. You have to change and evolve. And and so it, implicit bias allows for it for people to have a backdoor. So we we have a backdoor construct but we have a front door expectation. And that's why the shit is off. Uh, um, I mean, the stuff is messed up. So, so your argument then is that implicit bias, instead of holding people accountable and forcing an evolution and a change allows both parties, those who are making the offense and those who are being offended or having whatever happen, it allows them both to explain it away and just go, to, well, that's this person. And so we're not even changing. We're not even holding our own personal groups accountable to what they say and what they do. How can we be expected to hold larger groups or organizations accountable? Yes. So think about it like this, Dan. Let's say that um, metaphorically, I'm just I'm, I'm this flower child and I just go around and I just, you know, I just kind of meander and just pollinate different groups. If I'm in group A and it's implicit bias and I'm checked mm. and I move on to group B and group B is not associated with implicit by uh with what I with, with my um implicit bias issue with group A and then I so where's the accountability at now it's implicit bias in group B as well. Now you was just warned in group A and now it's implicit bias in group B. And then I leave group B and I go to group C. Group C don't know about group B or group A. Cause remember we have multiple touch points throughout the whole, this whole diaspora. So not, and so it will always be implicit bias until one group says, you know what? 
you're not the kind of human that I want to be around. I like that. I like that a lot. And so let's say we do this, right? Let's say that we, we stop it at group A and we say, we don't want to be around you. And that person moves on to group B and gets it again. And now this person is sort of on the outside. Do we worry about that? Do we nurture this person to come back in? Or if they're not willing to change, what do we do with this individual? Well, here's the thing. I don't think that we take that responsibility. I say, what in reflection, what does that person, what is that person willing to do with him or herself? Okay. Right, because so often we become the individuals around inclusion that says X, Y, or Z, right? When it comes to how folks are gonna change. We have to give people the food, the tools to eat the food. We'll even give you the opportunity to get seconds, but I'm not going to eat it for you. Okay. And I'm okay. not, and I'm not going to make you eat it. So if we've given you everything, we've shown you the way we've explained it. We've laid out all of the theory, the history, everything is in front of you and you choose to still be you and go and shrug your shoulders at it, then we just walk away and leave you. Well, I think it, I think that is ultimately the outcome, but it's not that cut and dry. Well, right, every right. Time I, so every time I see you, I'm going to hold you accountable that you were exposed to the expectation. Okay. All right. Every time I see you, I'm going to hold you accountable. Well, why is that Scott? Because if I don't hold you accountable and you regress and you don't get Scott and then you have an interaction that causes a fracture with Rakeem, that fracture then becomes part of the definition of why there's a us versus them. Well, those people. Right. Right. But when you when they say that to their group they won't say yeah but i had uh i, I went to three different groups today and had a reminders of my implicit but that's not transparency that's not the transparency they'll show they'll they'll they will have that one interaction be those people gotcha gotcha one per one person's allowed for their regression or something becomes well they allowed me to do this they didn't stop me and it was really one person it wasn't a whole group it ain't had nothing to do with the whole group and so that's what we do because i think there's a fundamental lack of intellectual discipline around this work mm -hmm. right um I, you know that I'm here in Texas and my child is um, back in Pennsylvania and I'm trying to get back. And Dan, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna be honest with you, I've interviewed um, several times and I never got, um, I got close to some positions, but I think, you know, the executive order from Trump scared folks off for my kind of leadership or my style. Um, but I'm gonna share something with you. 
Okay. I think I also didn't get the job. And here's where the implicit bias comes in, an example. I think I also did not make it to be the final candidate selected, though I've been the one of the finalists. Because when people have asked me questions in the interview processes, like, so why University X and Y now? <laughs> I said, no disrespect. But back in 95, I was telling you that we needed this kind of commitment to <laughs> students. So now that somebody got a knee on their neck and died on TV, you gonna put the human resources and financial resources to have someone provide leadership for the master narrative for DE&I? I should be asking you, <laughs> why position and why now? You're not wrong. And, 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 and I, Dan, I know how that comes across, but I mean, think about that. Why here? Why now? You need me. How the hell are you going to ask me that? <laughs> but you're right, because that's, and in this work, and again, Scott and I met in 2008. So when we got to Misericordia, you were working under NEPDEC, correct? Yeah, a lender trumpeter. Mm -hmm. And NEPDEC's goal was to help businesses and faculty and staff, but no one was focusing on student programming. No. And when me, you, and Erica Costa, who is at Wilkes University now, got together, we decided we wanted to start doing some programming around students. And one of the early pushbacks were, but the students seemed to be fine. Why do we need to be doing this? And this was 2008. And I've been at numerous universities where there were strong multicultural programs, strong diversity and inclusion programs. Yet here in 2008, well, why do we need this? And now it's 2021 and there are still schools who have that same process of, but why are we doing this? Or now when they finally decide to do it, you're right. It's like, well, what took you so long? We told you back then. Man, and people have been telling you for years, like, look at American history. Every time that we have issues when it comes to race and we have these boiling over points, that boiling over point wasn't the start of it. George Floyd in 2020 wasn't the start of this. There have been things happening for ages, and now, after a pandemic, when everyone was sitting at home watching TV and seeing how bad it was and calling you out for your silence, now you want Scott's help. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, Dan, I'm dead serious. And, and I know that, well, that's not interview. Well, that's traditionalism. And traditionalism right. is, well, I don't even want to get into that, because I can... <laughs> No, no, because I can see, I can talk about what we're talking about mm -hmm. and not mention what we're talking about. Right. Have it be understood what I'm talking about. Exactly. But that traditionalism is what has led um, uh, several universities recently in Virginia to give reparations to families that helped build uh, VCU and Virginia Commonwealth. Man, higher ed was built on the backs of certain folks. It's spot on. I mean, America was built on the on the backs of black and brown people. Like everything this country has has come from the unpaid and unremunerated labor of black and brown bodies. 
Yo. And then as those bodies continuously try to gain momentum or gain even something close to, close to equity, it's pushed back all the time. And it takes something like this to happen in 2020. It takes the deaths of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X in the 60s, you know, for people to start stepping up then. But what happens in the 70s? Well, the government snuffs out the entire Black Panther Party and all Black liberation movements. And we go, well, we made it this far and we are sort of happy now. That's exactly right. So now, now, now think about this with what you said. Oh, we've made it this far and we're happy now. So now, remember when I talked about that subtext in our mm-hmm. previous conversation? <laughs> now you're telling me, don't worry about it anymore. I've determined what the ceiling is. Right. I mean, think about that. I'm like, yo, dude, how you, I mean, you get to do everything, don't you, Bob? <laughs> I mean, you get to, not even realizing the deposits they're making. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 you know, you can say, well, Scott, you know, um, you, you, I mean, you just have to say what you need to say to get the job. Well, isn't that reminiscent to when they talk about the Uncle Toms? Right. If you know the history. I'm not cowtailing intellectually or physically in order to get the end result. I'm not going to do that. Right. You ask me why here, why now? I need to be able to, I should be able to say, Dan, that's the question you're going to ask me with all this damn experience on this paper. And you're going to ask me why here, why now? What if I told you the truth and said, because my daughter um, is in Pennsylvania and I need to get back because I miss her. Well, that's not an interview question. So you want me to lie? Right. Want me to lie in an interview? Exactly. So why not, why not be a mirror and have it be reflexive and say, that's the question you're going to ask me. It took somebody to get murdered on TV for now you to commit institutional dollars. And you're going to ask me why here, why now? Hell, I should be interviewing everybody that, um, Oh man! So let's let's switch into the 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 academic aspect of, of talking about implicit bias. Yeah. Um, so here's this is one example that Scott and I share. Um, I don't even remember the year, but I know it was a we were doing these sort of senior dances where um, local individuals from nursing homes would come to campus and they'd get a chance to mingle and hang out with the college students. And there was an event that happened where Scott was DJing this event. All right, so he was not only there. He was an active participant. And after the event, someone said to Scott that they were upset with him because he didn't show up to the event. Now, understanding the university, there are two large black males on campus. (laughs) Just two, which is part of the problem. But it's Scott and I, and I uh, I am high yellow in Scott's shadow. We'd look nothing alike. I was the one who did not go to the event. And my reasoning was simple. We helped plan it. We helped organize it. We did all this work behind it. It was not an event for me. Like, I don't need to be there. We're doing this work for other people. The event happened. I don't need to be there. So I didn't go. No big deal. But Scott gets stopped and asked why he didn't show up. He was standing on stage DJing this event. And so when we talk about this idea of implicit bias, because there are so few black men you assume that if you don't see one, it's the one you know. 
When in reality, no, we're very different individuals. And it really speaks to universities and institutions when you start confusing your minorities because there are none. Touche. Touche. And so when we talk about implicit bias in education, what what are the downfalls of of having implicit bias in general, we've talked about it in general, but we talk about it in an education setting. If you are employed by a university and implicit bias happens, I know you shared on Instagram recently that someone said that you were too, you're being too forward. You were too, too loud, you know, sort of intimidating and you wanted to respond, but then you're like, well, wait a minute. Would you say this to someone else? Yeah. Yeah. So it was funny. I was uh, doing a lecture in, I asked for feedback and they said, well, Scott, the students said that you were intimidating and you used too many big words. And, you know, I receive all feedback because I'm like, I said, I'm going to make sure I get better. Right. Then I said, hold on a second. What does that even mean? (laughs) I said, if I was the, if I was the head, if I was a football coach, I'd be the best thing since sliced bread. Right. But because I'm in, because I'm an intellect, mm-hmm. because I'm in academics and I'm not the custodian, <laughs> I'm intimidating and the words I use are too big. Oh, so when the black man talked, you forgot how to use Google? Right. And it's, and it's an amazing idea that you spot on if you were a coach or in athletics or anything other than a classroom setting as a black man, that is acceptable. You're allowed to be intimidating and forward and, and have independent thought, but in a classroom, well, wait a minute, you might want to tone it down a little bit. You're coming off a little too strong. Yeah. 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 What does it mean? Like, how do you come off too strong when trying to convey a topic to those who are there to learn? that's where I struggle with because they don't even realize again that that's what I'm saying when I say there's inherent implicit bias but I don't necessarily subscribe to implicit bias because all the research for the um for all the intellects will tell you that when you speak their language and you make it so that the content is relevant to their context. Mm-hmm. You increase motivation and learning. Duckworth will tell you that. Tishy will tell you that. All I'm like, so I don't understand what you're saying. But I'm going to go back to something, Dan, when, when you said, um, when you first talked about implicit bias, mm-hmm. to kind of shed light on, on, this, on this last piece that I said. You know, Dan, I'm done academic writing. I'm not doing any more research. I'm Mm -hmm. not doing any more data and all that kind of stuff, you know, because the academy is inundated with black scholars. And we got scholarship that goes back 50, 60 years on what we need to do. W.E.B. Du Bois, Booker T. Washington, the souls of black folks. Uh, Paulo Ferrer, Pedagogy of the Oppressed, they've all told us what to do from a minority perspective. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not contributing anymore to that. I want to make impact and graduate kids and give them a future. Right. Because we are in these positions 
And we should be embracing the 2.0 student mm-hmm. same way we embrace the 4.0 students. And we should all be critically committed to graduating citizens and scholars. And that's the last thing I want to talk about. So you did this research project and paper um, with two other individuals um, from your time at Bloomsburg University, where yeah. you were looking at underprepared students yeah. who are typically that 2.0 student that you're talking about yeah. and how they get lost in the middle. Because oh, yeah. we celebrate, I think in the, 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 the journal you say that we celebrate the 4.0 students, but we don't yeah. celebrate the 2.0 students. No, we and don't. So, can you talk a little bit more about how they get lost and why it's important that regardless of who the student is, we need to make sure that we're graduating them um, so that you said they become citizens? Yeah, because you know what, Dan? You know, at the very end of the day, um, as Chief Diversio, I've been in, in, in this role before, mm-hmm. uh, but I was the director of social equity at Kutztown University, and it was a similar thing. So... All faculty hires go through me and all director hires and above go through me, go through my office. And so what I mean by that is then I've hired hundreds of people, not one person on this earth looks at a transcript. Right. No, no. You think about Mm -hmm. it. Ain't no job that you've ever gotten looked at a transcript (laughs) ain't no loan you've ever gotten to start a business looked at a transcript in their portfolio of look in when they're looking at you they're looking at your portfolio what you bring to the table they look at if you're a college graduate but they don't look at your college degree well he only had a two seven (laughs) imagine somebody saying you didn't get a job because you got a two but well, and so that's where the implicit bias comes from, Dan. Mm-hmm. That, that's why I'm saying that. Because these kids, they get, we, we recruit these kids to mm-hmm. our campuses, don't give them the tools to succeed. They then begin to juxtapose themselves inherently with the other kid that came from a suburban school that had the greater tools and then they are impacted metacognitively saying that, well, the way that I learn isn't the way to learn in order to be celebrated. Right. That's the implicit bias because we set these things up and then we get in these faculty meetings and you and I've been faculty a long time uh, and, 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 and espouse that we want to teach, you know, the best and brightest. No, I want to teach a couple of niggas. <laughs> no, no, because they be letting us go like, and I'm like, hold on a second, man. You took that child's money and you don't want to teach him because you got to work a little bit more. But right. they left him home. Mm-hmm. And you're spot on. And it's and it, and it is. It's that it's where they come from. It's not their ability to learn or no. their want to learn. No. It is where they come from and how prepared they are. Um, Jonathan Cazole's Savage Inequalities. Um, is an amazing book and it talks about 
and this is a book that's I think it's from the 80s. So it's it's dated in far as what it's looking at, but it's still relevant today where when you look at the textbooks, uh, I think they compared like the New York public school system and like East St. Louis and like in East St. Louis, the president was even accurate in the history book for who was in office and the math books theories had changed that weren't represented and getting to school wasn't an impossible thing. So by the time they got to school, they were already tired to begin to all these things that become these factors that impact their education. Whereas other schools every year they're getting new equipment. They're getting new this, they're getting new books and the books that they're getting rid of because those books are no longer accurate and appropriate end up in poor schools. That's right. And so it's exactly what you're talking about. So it's this evolution of, you know, and again, if you haven't read Savage and Inequalities, I suggest you really do. But when you start looking at education, nothing has changed. We've glossed it up. We've put a new facade on the buildings. We've started recruiting students to go to schools so that we have a diverse population. But then as your research shows, once they get there, no one wants to do the little bit of extra work to go, all right. What aren't you getting? Okay, let's get here. Let's move these things here and help them understand if the goal is to educate students, that means all of the students. This is, that's my point. Or give them some of their money back because of your lazy mm-hmm. ass do the work. Right? How about, and if how you're, about reduce their tuition then? Yeah, something. Because if they're paying the same tuition... And the end goal is to graduate them, but you won't put in the work to graduate them. Somebody owes somebody something. Hey, and Dan, I'm going to tell you something. Not only do I agree with you, um, I am that kind of leader, dude. I just am, I'm on level 10 all the time. I am not going to allow people to be mistreated under my leadership, I'm not going to allow people to be diminished or dismissed or oppressed under my leadership. I'm on level 10. I think, and I think, and that's perfect. And I like that because it goes back to where we started with implicit bias has a fault and that it allows people to get off the hook in the long run. That's and what that, I, <laughs> and that's, and that's, and it's, that's the problem is that if we, if we move forward the the theory of implicit bias is fine. We understand why it why it's there and what happened, but we can't use it as an excuse to not call you out, yeah. to allow you to oppress, to allow you to denigrate others. If yeah. you do it, we will explain why you did this, where it came from. But now that you understand, it is on you to change your actions and behavior going forward. Otherwise, you haven't learned anything. Exactly. And I'm going to hold you accountable every time I see you or every time you're within my circle of influence, I'm going to hold you accountable to that. Right. Because when, you know, like I said, what what ends up happening is, um, and I remember when I was at Misericordia, um, there's several young ladies that I talked to who were either gay or they liked men that, that, that weren't white. And, you know, I coach women's basketball at Misericordia. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, they was like, well, damn, how come, you know, I can kiss on and have sex with uh, uh, Shirley if they were gay and, 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 and Raheem if they like, um, you, know, you know, the black and brown folks and then can't take them home for Thanksgiving. Pop-Pop ain't going for that. So <laughs> my point around the implicit bias is Pop-Pop got to go. Right. Pop-Pop can't come to the table. See, that's the kind of, 
that's the kind of steps that it's going to take. Like, so you're going to be unhappy with a white dude and get beat or assaulted because Pop-Pop, let me tell you something. You remember, hey, Dan, you remember when we was growing up? You mm -hmm. know, I know how, when I was growing up, we had to sit at the short-ass table to the side <laughs> while the grown up. So you remember that? You had that, like... I used to be like, Anastel, can I have another piece of chicken? Because <laughs> you had to get up and go to the grown folk yo, table to ask. To because you couldn't go get it on your own. Yo, you, yo, if you put your hand on the grown folk table, they was going to stab it, right? So that's what we got to start. I'm going to need Pop-Pop to sit over in the corner in the kids' table. Right. Right. That's what the ignorant folks sit is over that's there. Exactly right. But you're not going to dominate how we're trying to make impact to these greater communities and these greater touch points. Because mm -hmm. life is bigger than, well, that's how Pop-Pop grew up. Well, Pop-Pop grew up like an asshole. And that's what it is. It's simple. And, that's as simple it is. Um, I don't, and I know you know this, but I, but there are a lot of people that don't know this. Um, they don't understand how Juneteenth impacts folks. And I'm like, dude, these cats down here knew almost three years, but they was like, no, we got to get these railroads fixed. So we won't even tell them, hell, they can't read anyway. Right. <laughs> and they act like this shit don't mean nothing today. <laughs> well, and, that, and that's, and it's funny because not even <laughs> funny. I, I don't even know what the word is, but when you talk and when you bring that up, something like that, right? Implicit bias is the scapegoat if it goes unchecked. But if you look at Juneteenth, here was a situation where there was nothing that was, you know, inherited or, or misunderstood. They knew flat out slavery had come to an end. That's why I say it's explicit, dude. That's right. why I don't believe in implicit. You So we can carry on legacies, but we can't carry on. So they purposely omitted to follow the law, but that legacy don't mm -hmm. get carried on. But Pop-Pop can carry on that, oh, he's just Pop-Pop the dumb legacy. Okay, come on, right. guys. You can't have it both right. ways. They purposely said, well, shit, we got it. Well, how are we gonna get these railways done? We got these damn apes. They, no, no, imagine the conversation. So I know when I first came down here, they were like, yo, go to Galveston, boom, boom, Blasey. They were like, yo, isn't Galveston so beautiful? Boom, boom, boom. I said, you know what I saw when I looked at when I went to Galveston? I said, I looked out in the ocean. And I imagined Nana probably walking on this soil. And I fished Galveston in the spring and summer every weekend. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't know that that's pretty. Yeah. I never thought of it like that, Scott. Yeah, I think I saw Nana and my mom and my mom's people and my grandmom. She was one of 18. So I'm just like, I I don't know. That's powerful. But that's and what there's... I saw, man. I literally, I was like, damn, slaves walked on this sand like 150 years ago, yo. It's crazy. And that's, but that's where the bias comes from, right? Is that they and white America will never view a beach at Galveston in that aspect. 
No. No. Because that's not how they understand history. That's not what they were taught. That's not what they want, want being the key word. That's not what they want to remember. Well, you see, that's so, Dan, you are 100% correct with that. That's not what they want to remember. Because if there was compassion for human condition from majority folks, they could easily say, I can't believe Pop Pop's lineage beat yeah. these people from these from these shores and took them into Galveston and Texas City and Alvin and Lamarck and all that. They could, if they cared, they could they could say that because we we didn't walk there on our own. We were right. chuckled to the inlands to do the, the, the to do that work. And that yeah. was their pop pops. Right. And that's it. And it's compassion, right? If that's if exactly right. if compassion enters the argument, there becomes there there's the accountability, right? I don't yeah. even have I don't even have to hold you accountable. If yep. you can have compassion for other people, what did you used to call it? Honoring other people's experiences as well. That was what it yeah. was. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so if you can honor other people's experience and have some compassion for what they and their lineage went through, accountability comes with that automatically. Because you now, even if it's a slight sliver, there's some empathy of, wow, my lineage may have been a part of this. Exactly. I, I, through DNA, may have contributed to the suffering of other people. And if you can feel that even just a little bit, accountability starts and it starts to change your thought process down the line because you can connect in the way you did when you looked up and saw your ancestors. So, Dan... Now let's go back to because you know I'm you know what I've been talking I'm building this construct right right no no I know implicit so now you see why I look at implicit bias that way yep ain't got nothing to do with me dude but I'm gonna hold you accountable for it though I know I'm not gonna let you off the oh that's just Bob being Bob no 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 if you're an asshole you're an asshole let me say this though Dan. Mm-hmm. You know, what you talked about, when I when I talk about the human condition, if we would just take a modicum of the energy that we use to be identified with the right side or the left side or the, or the Democrat or the Republic side, if we would take a modicum of that energy and commit that to the human condition, imagine right. the kind of society we would have. A modicum. You can still be a raging asshole. But if you took some of that energy and said, "Some, I'm gonna make sure nobody freezes tonight," yeah. Instead, we weren't about being how we're bifurcated politically and how we're bifurcated racially. And I'm like, dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think y'all got it messed up, dude. I think y'all getting it messed up. That's it. All right, I don't want to keep you too long, my friend. So, anything in closing? Any last thoughts? What should people listen to this and walk away with? I think what people should walk away with when they listen to this is the propensity to have discussion and conversation, right? I welcome discourse. I welcome dialogue, whatever you want to call it, right? And and understanding that, and I learned this a long time ago at the Milton Hershey School, Every time you point a finger, there's always three of them pointing back at you. 
right? And, 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 and that's what keeps us, should keep us in a space where we're always um, being reflexive. We're looking at reflection and we're looking at who we are in the moment, in the impact, in the condition, you know, because that, because that's where, because change starts with, you know, within, with you. And so that's what I think, Dan. I'm very passionate about um, this work. Um, there's just so many different things I could say. We could talk for hours, but um, yeah. All right. I well, you having me though. Oh no! I, I, when I first planned the podcast, you were on my radar immediately, and then when you posted about implicit bias, it was like, all right. I told you then we was gonna talk real soon. So. Um, thank you, Scott. Thank you for your time today, uh, your wisdom and your passion. Uh, for everyone listening, this is Dr. Dr. Scott Richardson. Uh, he's at the University of Houston Clear Lake um, doing all this work in diversity. So please reach out to him if you, you have questions. Make sure you pay him if you do, though. Scott, thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, you're welcome, brother. Thank you so much. Bye-bye now. Systemic is a production of Park Multimedia. Thank you for taking the time to listen and remember, to solve any problem, you have to first acknowledge that it exists. Thank you.